This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The Traffic Podcast with Mariana Van Zeller is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. For our TV show, I spent months investigating the dark, criminal side of online dating. I met people who fell in love online and then found out that it was all fake. I was like a fish. That hook was so far down in my belly. I traveled to Ghana to meet the people on the other side of the screen, on the other end of the long-distance phone calls. People who were not who they said they were, who were not interested in love, who were just interested in money. How much money has Michael sent you so far? More than 10K. More than $10,000. They were part of this growing industry, online romance scams. I wanted to investigate this because it's a multi-million dollar problem, one that grew exponentially during the global pandemic, and because a lot of people are getting hurt along the way. I gave him $2.8 million. I'm Mariana Van Zeller, the host of the National Geographic TV series, Trafficked. Each week on the series, I dive into a different black market and meet people who make their living inside it. But this is a little different. From National Geographic and Muck Media, this is the Trafficked Podcast. Each week, I'll bring you the story of one person who made it big in a life of crime, how they lived the high life, and how it all came crashing down. Today, I'm talking to a man who spent years evading law enforcement by using what he calls personas to avoid detection and to enter into relationships with dozens of women around the United States. A government investigation found that Derek Aldred used 38 aliases, 13 social security numbers, and eight dates of birth. He reportedly defrauded women out of millions of dollars. He has claimed to be a Navy SEAL, a doctor, and a lawyer. But the many women who've encountered Derek Aldred say he's nothing but a phony. Someone who leaves behind broken promises and empty bank accounts. Derek objects to the label romance scammer. He says it wasn't about the money at all. I want to hear about how and why Derek Aldred went down this path because that path didn't lead him anywhere good. You have a prepaid call. This call is from... Derek Aldred. An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. More after the break. Hi, Derek. Can you hear me? Hi, Mariana. Derek is calling me from a federal prison in Oregon. 
In 2018, he was convicted of identity theft and mail fraud for using a woman's credit card while living with her under a fake name. He maintains that it wasn't actually identity theft. He invented a persona. He didn't steal one. But let's start at the beginning. I've read somewhere that you've talked about having this uh, gift of gab. What does that mean to you? I, I think it's just being able to talk to people and be comfortable in situations that, that maybe others may not be comfortable in. I think that that can go a long way in, in a good or bad area in life, uh, hmm. depending on how you look at it. And when did you when do you think you realized you had this gift of gab? I was told from a young age that that I had that. I mean, my parents, other adults that that, that knew me, teachers all said the same thing. Hey, you know, you've just got this this gift to be able to talk to people and, you know, put them at ease. Were you a good student? Yeah, I think at times I tended to get bored uh, very, very easily and then lose focus, whether it was in grade school, high school, college. It was just hard to keep my attention. When Derek was in college, he says he got injured, and that's when something new caught his attention. I'd blown my knee out in a summer job and had to have surgery done, and, and I was introduced to, to opiates. They just took me to a whole different place and kind of allowed me to, to feel like I was someone different, and it was almost like putting, putting the cape on Superman. And I could, I could do twice what I could do without taking them. How much were you taking at the height of your addiction? My cocktail that I would make would be roughly 40 Vicodin a day and about 20 Selma a day just to get me going so I wouldn't feel sick. And then it was just a maintenance dose throughout the day just to keep going. But Derek says that the problem at this point when he was in his early 20s was where and how to get this cocktail. I lived in an affluent white-collar community, so my drug dealers were doctor's offices or hospitals, and the only way to get pills was to get prescriptions. At first, Derek would go doctor shopping, just going from one doctor to another with the same medical complaint in order to get more meds. But at a certain point, using your name over and over again raises red flags. And so, you know, I, I, that's when I started using different names and identities to go get pills. Was that the first time you pretended you were someone else to get something that you wanted? Well, gosh, yeah. You know, as an adult, for sure, I had to get pills every day. So every day I had to put on a different face to be somebody else. Derek tells me it was simple, so simple. No one ever checks an ID, or at least back then they didn't. You take that prescription and go to the pharmacy and get it filled and you're done. But he still had to pay for his pills, and that was getting expensive. So he came up with a plan. I thought, man, you know what, when I blew my knee out, that when I went to the pharmacy, all I gave them was a name and a company name, and they didn't charge me anything. And so I thought, gosh, I wonder if I could do that again today. Derek said if he pretended to be injured under some company's workers' compensation policy, he wouldn't have to pay for his visit. That company, which of course he didn't work for, would be billed instead. It was so easy. The times were different. You know, in 1996 or 97, going out and, and doing that is, uh, was a lot different than 2021, for sure. I wasn't showing up in these doctor's offices wearing dirty jeans and a T-shirt. You know, I was wearing a nice suit and had a nice watch and didn't look like you're a typical drug addict. 
your judge immediately off your appearance. Hey, this is a legitimate guy who has a life and a legitimate job. Of course we're going to help him because he's just a nice guy. And it worked most of the time. Let's call it from a federal prison. My calls with Derek get interrupted every few minutes on the prison phone system. Our calls also only last 10 minutes. This conversation is a series of many calls that my producer and I had with Derek. Anyway, Derek tells me that his method worked for more than 10 years. I finally took it too far and I had overdosed. My ex-wife drove me to the hospital. She went into the hospital to get some people to bring me out of the car. I had 30 or 40 different pill bottles sitting on the, on the back seat of my car with different names on them. Over time, Derek's disguises had become more elaborate. In order to get pain medication, prosecutors say he dressed up as a doctor or a firefighter. He bought a fire battalion badge online, and a forestry official got suspicious. Over the course of three years, Derek was charged with a series of felonies across several counties in California. Embezzlement, burglary, and making false insurance claims. He served a year and a half of his sentence and was released in 2009. I was on parole, and I wasn't allowed to travel out of the state of California. But Derek wanted to travel. And he had a talent for finding loopholes. When you're talking to that guy, that TSA agent that's, that's holding your ticket in his hand, he asks you why you don't have any, any ID with you, and you say, you know, I lost my wallet. They have a policy in place to, to let you travel that day. Mm. I was buying tickets, you know, using just made-up names out of thin air, and knowing that nine times out of ten, uh, I'm going to be able to walk right through. You know, I did that hundreds of times it became really second nature. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because if I got caught traveling without a travel pass on parole, I'd be violated and I'd go back to jail. Freed from the limitations of his legal name, Derek was able to live the jet-setting life, traveling with friends, visiting family, and meeting women. I was flying 250,000 miles a year, probably. I remember sitting on a plane one day and looking around, I'm like, wow, I'm like, you know what? If something happens on this flight, my family's never going to know what happened because I'm using a fake name. How horrible is that? This invisible man, holding no ID in his pocket, was traveling and partying. Making his way into parties he wasn't exactly invited to. I certainly had some fun experiences. He presented himself, he says, to the will-call booths at sold-out concerts, football games, and fancy parties. The nice suit and the nice watch, it's all part of the same guys. Whether it's getting pills, getting on a plane, getting into an event, if you don't look the part, you're dead on arrival. It's just being able to break through the veil, where most people see a front door to walk through. I kind of look at it and go, huh, I wonder if I can get through the side. I had a friend of mine, for example, in Hawaii that was a realtor. Derek says he would stay in the extravagant homes this realtor was selling, posing as a member of the wealthy elite. Wow, this guy's in a $20 million house on the beach in Maui. Wow. You know, it, it's a statement piece, right? It's, it's like a piece of jewelry or, or like a, uh, a piece of art hanging in your, your, your foyer when you walk in your house. People go, holy crap. It's crazy because, you know, you, you do that for so long and you, you really begin to lose yourself. 
you lose your identity because you've assumed so many others. Was it a lack of self-esteem? Did you not like yourself? What What do you think led you to that? It could be a lack of self-esteem. I mean, it's probably the same reasons why for so long, you know, chemicals made me feel good. It's kind of like almost altering my DNA to, to feel better, right? And that's what I think most addicts ultimately end up doing is they find something inherently they don't like about themselves and they try and change it through chemicals. More after the break. You talked a little bit about this idea of selling um, the fairy tale idea. Can you talk, tell me about that? I think people are always searching for for the fairy tale. You know, the, whether it's the you know the prince charming or the fairy tale wedding, or you know, it's kind of implanted in in our DNA a little bit. The fairy tale mixed with a little bit of greed uh, goes a long way with people. You can generally sell somebody almost anything if you make it a part of that dream. I reported on organized scamming operations for my TV show. They're very different from Derek's method, but they do have this thread in common. They present this kind of dream that most of us are looking for, which can make us vulnerable and willing to overlook a situation that might be just a little too good to be true. I drank too much. I was a mess. I couldn't keep my story straight. But people were willing to overlook that because they saw the glimmer, I think, of, gosh, this, this is the fairy tale. Derek describes a life plagued by addiction, first to pills, then to alcohol. And he carried this weight wherever he went. 2013 is probably at the beginning of just a slew of bad choices. I would, you know, offer myself up and present myself wearing a $2,000 suit and I look the part to be able to, to go out and, you know, go have fun. And, and then if I didn't end up at someone's house at nighttime, uh, I'd know where to go. Wintertime can get cold and wet very quick. And one night it started to rain. And I was down in Santa Monica, and I was on 3rd Street Promenade, and right next to 3rd Street is a turnaround spot for the buses. And I thought, man, you know, it's $1.50. Uh, I could ride this thing all the way to downtown and back, take up three hours. And that's what I did. I started doing that on a, on a nightly basis for a while, just to stay warm and dry. It was just a mess for me. I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I owe money everywhere. And I'm still trying to support this insane lifestyle. I had to put on a pretty heavy persona of, of, of somebody that it was bleeding money. But he still found ways to present that fairy tale. I started to find these women who were great people, by the way, but they were just going through big, big problems in life. And it was just the perfect storm when you injected me into those problems. And, and I knew that. And yet I continued to, to enter into these relationships. And it just moved on from one person to another. They're educated people. They're, they're, they're smart. They're intuitive. They have people behind them, like family and friends, screaming, no, 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 no. And yet they're still willing to overlook the, the negatives and say, gosh, you know, I'll do anything for 
for a taste of that, that, that fairy tale or that dream. Between 2013 and 2014, Derek reportedly started posing as an international financier or a successful banking lawyer named not Derek Aldred, but Derek Allerad. He often met women on dating sites, and one of the women he dated during this period alleged that he stole her credit card and social security number, racking up $18,000 in one month. Derek insists that the credit card was given to him. So would you say that to many of these women, you were selling this fairy tale dream of you being a um, trustworthy guy with a stable career um, and, and who was in there for, for the long run, that you were possibly the love of their lives and that in fact, none of that was actually true? I've never went into any relationship to to hurt or or take something from somebody. And when I say take something, I mean something tangible. And uh, that just wasn't the case. I'm sorry I can't kind of expand on that more, but it's it's just that just kind of goes to the heart of my appeal. And I, and I, can't, I can't do that right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand. Derek wouldn't tell me much about what personas he put on his dating profiles. Generally, it was it was a variation of of a bit of the truth, and then uh, taking that and twisting it a little bit. Many of them did, had no idea you were seeing other people, correct? I, I think that some said they didn't, and they did. And you know, I'm, I don't want to get into a tit for tat. It doesn't doesn't really serve the greater good. Um, I'm going to say one thing; they're going to say the other thing, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. Yeah, I think. Did you become addicted to relationships with women? Yeah, I, 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 I sure, I, I think so. What exactly would you say in terms of your relationships with women that you were addicted to? For me, I, I think it was just, you know, the, maybe the fear or, or the hate of, of being alone. This fear of being alone drove him to take some risks, big risks. In 2014, Derek took a woman to a swanky hotel in St. Paul, Minnesota. They racked up thousands of dollars in charges. It was over a course of a five-day period of time because we went from one hotel to another. Checked in, checked out, checked in, checked out. Those hotel bills were never paid, and his date said that she was left to take a cab home. That was kind of the, the end of like, that. That was the end of our relationship. Uh, we 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 literally parted ways that day, and that was it. But that hotel wasn't happy, and a warrant was issued for Derek's arrest. Well, I mean, it's terrifying. I mean, you to to see you know to see yourself right all over the news. I mean, it's not uh, especially in a negative light. It's a, it, it's a it's a terrifying feeling. Probably probably the first feeling I had was was just fear. And I had scheduled court appearances, but I had no intention on showing up to. The minute you make that decision, you're on the run. I can't be Derek anymore, so I have to be everything but Derek. You're going underground. You can't use your name. You might have to, to change your appearance a bit. You know, you're not gonna. You're not going to go to places where you might be recognized. You do it for a period of time, and what does it become? It becomes a habit. Derek continued to use fake names. 
When he introduced himself or made a profile on a dating site, he adopted personas affiliated with the military. To the women he dated, he was Rich or Richie Peterson, a reservist in the Navy finishing a PhD. He bought fake military credentials off eBay and spent time in full uniform. I think it became very second nature for, from that point forward to, to live you know, in, in different personas because you're on the run and you always think people are looking at you. Derek had to stay on the move. He traveled to Texas, to California, running from the theft charge he was facing in Minnesota. He says he was living off savings and family money while he was on the run. Many of the women he dated have said that he stole money, lots of money. At the point when you're on the run, that is a full-time job. I mean, there's, listen, there's nothing else you can do. Anything else that you do to make money is a side job. I, I can tell you, if you talk to anyone who's ever really been on the run, particularly the U.S. Marshals, it is full-time. Let me tell you, they're working full-time too. I ended up getting caught getting off an Amtrak train in Portland, Oregon. I was caught by the U.S. Marshals, and then they, they brought me back to Minnesota. I, I get brought back and for sure thought that I was, you know, facing, you know, a, a whole host of charges. And what, what was, what, what were you charged with exactly at that point? It's called theft by swindle. I was going to have five years felony probation, and during that period of five years, I couldn't drink. And I was a, just a real, real heavy drinker by this point. According to his lawyer at the time, Derek didn't want to be on probation for so long. He opted to do a short prison sentence instead. So I, I, I told the judge, I said, look, I, I think it's better for everyone here involved uh, that, uh, that you just send me to prison. Derek served his time, but he didn't exactly leave prison a changed man. He violated his parole and started traveling again and got back on dating sites. I, bouncing around, you know, having multiple relationships in, in different states. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's a lot of work. There was a couple near misses. One particular day, I was living with the same woman from, from the hospital. I was dating another woman. And I had sent her a photo and forgot to take off the geotag on, on my phone. So my photo got tagged with, with the location it was taken. I was supposed to have gone away with her for the weekend, and I blew her off. So she got mad. Well, she showed up at our house at 8.30 in the morning, pounding on the door, and we're upstairs asleep. And the woman I'm living with, parents had just come into town, and they're downstairs, and they answer the front door. And so they're yelling up for me, hey, there's someone at the front door for you. And I go down to the front door, and here's this other woman at my front door. I brought her out front and was like, what are you doing here? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off at you because you, you, you blew me off last weekend. I'm like, but yeah, why are you here? You can't be here. I got rid of her and I went back inside and the woman I'm living with, her parents are like, well, you know, they're furious. Like, who's the woman at the front door? I was able to blow it off and, and get over it. And I, just, I think I just said, you know, it's someone I work with and they had a, a question about work. But once again, absolute insanity. And that was just another day in the life of, of me. At some point, yeah, it was like, gosh, you know what? I, I need to reel this all in. I mean, you can't live like that forever. It's too much work. I have to sleep at night. And while I'm sleeping, there's a team of people that are not sleeping. 
You know, they work in shifts. I don't. You're living in a complete falsehood if you think that you're going to be able to outrun the authorities forever. It doesn't work. But in 2017, Derek was still running. And he took on a new persona, Rich Taylor, a college professor and captain in the Naval Reserves. Derek says he can't talk about this persona. Its specifics are part of an appeal he's filed. But the decorated hero he presented on his dating profile caught attention. Derek, or rather Rich Taylor, dated someone in Texas, and it got serious enough that he was staying at her house. He used her credit card, he says with permission, to buy things like Ray-Ban sunglasses and a Hugo Boss suit. According to Derek, things went south when he made one stupid mistake. I left an iPad uh, in one woman's house, uh, and I didn't log out of it. And so when I was going to another woman's house, she saw the iPad and got on it and saw messages from her. And that's what started everything. The iPad was logged in under his real name, Derek Aldred. The identity issue came up. She called the local police, who dug into Derek's past, and things fell apart for good. It was kind of a, a bizarre day. Um, I, I it was, put it this way: it was one of those days that I woke up knowing something was 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 not right. I, I knew the wheels were ready to fall off. I just knew it. I was in an office building, and it was a medical office building on the ground floor. One of the women he was dating said he was there to visit a doctor to get pain pills. I was sitting in the lobby of this building and I looked out and I saw a line of cars parked on the sidewalk. And I looked up and there was four or five guys um, that were dressed in street clothes. I'll always remember one of the, the guy that arrested me was wearing a, a plumber shirt. It said like Joe's Plumbing on the shirt. and. Uh, and it had a, he had a little patch on him that said Joe. And obviously it wasn't Joe. It was it was the U.S. Marshal. And they brought me outside and they, they said I was under arrest. And all this craziness and, and all the stuff that had happened had finally come to an end. It, it was surreal. I was wearing a business suit and had a tie on and we walked outside and there's TV cameras and they're filming this. And then when they brought me to jail, there was more cameras. And and I thought, well, you know, gosh, at least if I can, I can present myself well. I'm still thinking this after all this craziness at the time that, that everything's going to be okay. A con artist is back in jail. Carol Evan uncovered how women across the country, including several here in Minnesota, say Derek Aldred created fake identities. Allegedly posing as a Navy pilot to gain access to women's finances. We've learned Navy and CIS is also investigating him for stolen valor. Derek was charged with possession of a gun, mail fraud, and identity theft. But as he keeps mentioning to me, he takes issue with the term and charge identity theft. He reminds me that he invented aliases rather than impersonating real people. I certainly never stole anybody's identity. But that's what Derek pleaded guilty to. And although he acknowledged that he used his victim's credit cards, he still insists that he never stole from any of the women he was dating. The basis for this criminal charge was theft. And it was theft of a credit card. I never stole the credit card. The credit card was given to me. And every charge that I made, 
was approved, my final deal that I took was one count of mail fraud, which I got 20 years for, and then two counts of aggravated identity theft. Uh, which are a flat two-year term apiece. So that, that adds up to 288 months. Derek was also ordered to pay nearly $255,000 in restitution to 25 victims. All the other elements of the, uh, of the stolen valor and things like that, I was never convicted of. Derek's plea agreement did in fact state that he routinely wore a military uniform and carried counterfeit badges. Derek didn't want to talk about the specifics of the charges against him, telling me there were matters in his appeal. But he does want to talk about the emotional damage he caused. What would you say that you actually did wrong? Obviously, there's, I mean, there's, there's a mountain of things I did wrong. All of my behaviors ultimately, no matter how you slice them, ended up hurting people. The thing that I've really realized, really thinking about this the past couple of years, is the residual effect down the road that, that I think really is what scars people. One bad relationship with somebody where you've been lied to or cheated on, you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life. Some of those women, I'm sure, are going to carry the weight of that for a long time. And... I feel horrible about that. You know, it's easy to ignore that when you're you're constantly numb. And when that numbness wears off, you realize, wow, you know, this is this is heavy. Derek also wants to talk about dating sites. These sites categorically, unequivocally, are not about putting user safety first. They are about revenue. They're about eyeballs and they're about registered users. And so I'd say in my case, uh, are they culpable? Absolutely. Are they responsible? No. I'm responsible for my actions. But they are certainly culpable uh, for user safety. If these sites are not going to protect their users, you need to protect yourself. And you need to ask questions. You have to. You absolutely have to. And if you don't get the answers that completely answer your questions, move on. Since being in prison from people like letters. We're like, gosh, you know, I've always wondered what it would be like to do that. So I wonder if I could get away with that. But they never do. I don't think they love the con. I think they love the story of the con. They're not going to do a 24-year prison sentence, uh, which is probably pretty comforting for people. The Traffic Podcast with Mariana Van Zeller is a companion to our TV series, Trafficked, from National Geographic and Muck Media. This episode was produced by Abby Spears, and our lead producer is Margaret Katcher. Our associate producer for this episode is Francesca Fenzi. Sound design, editing, and mixing by Eric Carbonara. Production help from Todd Benson and Ted Woods. Original music by Jeff Morrow. Paula Benson is line producer. Executive producers for NetGeo are Chris Albert, Bengt Anderson, and Sean Johnson. And from Muck Media, executive producers Jeff Plunkett, Darren Foster, and me, Mariana Van Zeller. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Tell your friends to rate and review the show if you've enjoyed what you heard. And tune in to the Traffic TV Show Wednesdays on the National Geographic Channel or stream it on Hulu. Special thanks to Mark Levenstein, Todd Herman, Aaron Pfeiffer, and of course, 
Derek Aldred. <laughs>